Hello, this is episode 297 and in it, I'm continuing my conversation with Jessica Allen from Climb Ashore. Now, if you haven't listened to part one yet, make sure you head back to episode 296. You'll find Jessica talking about air tightness. She'll also give a detailed rundown of what blower door tests are and how how they work and how you can use them in assessing the air tightness of your home, whether you're building new or renovating. It's really useful information. Uh, There's also a downloadable free PDF transcript. You can find all of that by heading to www.undercoverarchitect.com forward slash 296. That's the numbers 296. Now, in this episode, Jess is going to discuss more tools that can be used in an as-built verification process during your build, ultimately so that you can confirm during construction that your home is being built as per your design intentions and specifications. So we don't have that occurring or built into the way that we do residential construction, that as-built verification process. So it's great to know some of these extra things that you can include in your process so that you can get some certainty that you're getting in your finished home what you set out to actually create. Now, she's also going to share some other helpful tips about managing the risk of condensation and how to improve your build quality overall. And she'll take us through some insights about the the updates to the National Construction Code 2022 and what she's seeing in the industry as those that she's consulting to actually understand these latest changes. Now, remember, I've also got a full transcript of this episode and information on the resources that we discussed. So you can do that. You can find all of that by heading to www.undercoverarchitect.com forward slash 297. That's the numbers 297. Now, let's dive in. I begin by acknowledging the traditional owners of country throughout Australia, and I recognise the continuing connection to lands, waters, skies and communities. I pay my respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander cultures and to elders both past and present. If we haven't met before, I'm Amelia Lee. Based in Northern New South Wales, Australia, I'm a wife, mum and architect, and I've worked in the architectural industry for over 27 years now. Having worked on over 250 projects, mainly residential family homes, as well as significantly renovating three homes of my own with my hubby, whilst our three kids were babies, toddlers and even older, I have a personal and professional understanding of the joy, challenges, stresses and excitement of making your family home a reality. In mid-2014, I started Undercover Architect, and it's an online business to help and teach homeowners like you how to get it right when designing, building and renovating your family home. Undercover Architect is all about giving you access to the industry knowledge and insights you need to avoid the mistakes and dramas that can cost you thousands, tens of thousands and even hundreds of thousands of dollars. And it's about levelling the playing field so that the world of renovating and building doesn't seem so mysterious and you can be the active driver in your project, navigating it with know-how and confidence. Undercover Architect helps and teaches homeowners through this podcast, the website and our online courses and programs, including my flagship program, Home Method. I truly believe that when you know the questions to ask, the steps to take and the best way to create a home that works, feels great and that you feel great in, you can enjoy the process of building and renovating, as well as the home that you move into at the end of this ambitious journey. Consider Undercover Architect your secret ally, whoever you're working with and whatever your location, your budget or your dreams. Grab access to my free online workshop, Your Project Plan, and learn super helpful information to save time, money and stress in your reno or new build. You can find it at undercoverarchitect.com forward slash project plan. That's P-R-O-J-E-C-T-P-L-A-N. Now, let's get on to the episode. 
So before I jump in, let me remind you about Jessica Allen and Climashore. So Jess is a building designer and both a certified passive house designer and Wolfie professional. And her career started with code compliance, NATHERS ratings and other complexities of the energy efficiency section of the National Construction Code and grew to include air tightness consulting, blower door testing uh, for both residential and for commercial buildings. Now, Jess believes the real difference can be made for both the uh, building occupants and for to our planet in improving building performance through a knowledge of building science and using it to create better homes overall. And Climashore, uh, who she works with, they provide consultancy services to homeowners, builders and architects. They're also a pro-climate distributor and they provide a huge amount of industry education and advocacy to help both those inside and outside of the industry create healthy, durable and energy efficient buildings. So let's jump into part two of my conversation with Jess now. Can you talk through perhaps some of the other things that that are tools or, uh, you know, information or checks that people could use? You know, obviously one thing that's really lacking in Australian building codes is an as-built verification process. There really is nothing that enables a homeowner to get confirmation from their builder that things have been built to the National Construction Code, things have been built to the star rating that, 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 that the design was measured at. And so it does come down to the homeowner finding the right team to work with, but then also perhaps building in some processes into the contractual arrangement that enables them to get these things checked during construction. What do you suggest people sort of, you know, is there a kit of things that they can think about? What what do you suggest they sort of uh, consider as they're setting up their construction process to get a really good outcome? Um, I would definitely discuss the air tightness thing at the beginning. I would recommend thermography through at the end of the project just to make sure that the insulation has been installed properly. It's a simple thing, but it can have such a huge impact on the comfort of the home after occupation. And we've actually had building supervisors who've then, like after having these chats with us, have gone and bought building companies who've gone and bought their supervisors or thermal cameras to make sure that the trades have not disrupted all of the insulation when they've been up there doing their electrical runs or their plumbing or whatever. Whatever it is that, that goes on up there, so thermography is definitely something that I would recommend and it's not that expensive. It's really easy to do. It takes about an hour um, and then you get like a, some nice pictures and a report. Lower door testing and even something like thermal bridging, I would, I would suggest that homeowners actually have their builders actually look at thermal bridging issues and have any steel beams insulated, um, insulated against the outdoors because they do cold spots equal mold spots and so if you've got a highly thermally conductive steel beam and you have a warm humid climate inside then you you mitigate that risk by insulating that beam and, and stopping it from cooling down so fantastic yeah. Yeah. yeah no there's some good checks I um the I was really surprised I had somebody come here to do a mold analysis with place and he had a thermal imaging camera but it was literally just a lens that fixed over the top of his mobile phone and then he had a, a like an android phone that then opened up in the middle so he got a bigger he got more screen real estate but he was yeah he said he had this little battery pack in his in his pocket and then the thermal imaging camera sat over the top of his phone and he was using then his phone to walk around and show you know what there's happening in the in the house in terms of the thermal bridging and it was interesting this house doesn't have much all the insulation sort of fallen out in the roof so there wasn't really any 
there wasn't any hotspots. It was just none of it was working. That can be confusing. We were looking for like wet spots and damp and things like that. And it was like, no, everything's just kind of open. <laughs> I was like, okay, all right. <laughs> well, at least well, you know. know what we're dealing with. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so. Um, now if we want to, if we can, to dive into the national construction code 2022 and the recent changes, I'd love you to take through us through some of the things that are exciting you about, um, the changes and what you're seeing, uh, in the industry professionals that you're consulting to how they're wrapping, wrapping their heads around the changes as well. And, um, just dive into some of that for us. Cause I know that, um, you've been upskilling yourself, obviously, um, in understanding these more, I'd be really keen to hear what you're excited about and what you're seeing in the industry. Well, any progress is good. Um, I am excited about the general direction of the building code. Uh, the, the main, well, I mean, you know, what I do every day is is talking about moisture management and condensation and condensation control. So the requirement for uh, like vapour permeable membranes to be used now in climate zones four, five, six, seven, and 8 is um, in the 2022, you now have to use vapour permeable membranes. Climate zones four and five is a lower class of membrane than it is in six, seven, and eight. Um, but there's still a requirement not to trap vapor inside your homes. So that, I mean, we've been building with foil for decades and it's just the accepted thing. And the the education leap that's happening now with builders, you know, talking before about builders who understand this stuff I'm getting lots and lots of builders calling me um going I've just found out about this and I'm learning so much and it's so great um and they they're really driven to build better so the building code changes are um instigating some of this information sort of generate like uh questions and the generation of that of those questions so yeah and and also the the hydrothermal analysis that's now a performance solution. So you can either use these vapor permeable membranes or you can get a, a simulation done using a program called Woofy. That is exciting for me because it's a it's a it's a, it's an on-paper assessment, but it's a risk analysis that is it, it's 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 quite tangible. So you you can you can model your wall or your roof build up and get an idea of what your mold risk is going to be over a period of about 10 we simulate 10 years um and the, all this stuff is what is leading for me towards a better peace of mind for homeowners can you talk through how uh because i know you guys perform wolfie analyses can you talk through how that process actually works and you know what a homeowner needs to kind of know about their building to sort of get that Wolfie analysis done? Because I think that that understanding of the fact that you can actually get data to tell you where the dew point in the wall is going to be and if that dew point is going to be then at a position or location that's going to cause mould issues down the track and be problematic is such powerful data for anybody building a home, but particularly those who do suffer from mould illness and those kinds of things. So how, you know, how does somebody go about getting a Wolfie analysis done? What's involved? You know, how much time should they allow? Like what, what are sort of the steps and processes to, to get that done for them? Sure. That's as simple as sending me the wall or roof detail. Um, the floor plan as well. We need to know the volume of the house and how many bedrooms there are. We need to know the location and the orientation, actually not the orientation, because we usually just simulate a worst case scenario of a south facing wall build up or roof build up. Um, so there's some basic information about 
the size of the house and how many people are going to be in it. And that's because we need to know how much moisture is being generated by the cooking and the breathing and, and whatnot. Then we simulate, we model the wall layers in the, in all the roof layers in the, in the computer system. So, you know, passport insulation, um, air gap brick or something like that for a brick veneer wall um, with the membranes. And, and we also simulate, basically, we, we model the wall or roof builder and then we saturate it. We basically double the, the standard water content in every single, in every layer. We, we think about the risk of rain leaks. Um, because at some point over the life of your building, it's likely you're going to get a rain leak from um, wind-driven rain or you're going to get vapour drive from inside going through the plasterboard of insulation into your wall at some, at some point in the life of, the, of, that, of, that, of, that, of that structure. So we simulate all the layers and we, we saturate them and then we simulate over time what that's, how quickly that's going to dry. And if it doesn't dry, then obviously the mold risk is a lot higher. So it's a, the critical point in every build-up is going to be the first millimetre between of the insulation in between the, next to the water barrier. So we separate out that one millimetre and we simulate the mold index in that layer. And if that layer is above a mold index of three and the scale goes from zero up to six, um, if that if that mold index is above three, um, then that system can't be built under NCC 2022. And if it is built, then there is a, a sort of a, a legal recourse for the builder. So, gotcha. Right. So that and and like I know that when I've seen because you did some woofy for us in a project that we're doing so and and basically we got this diagram of the cross section of the wall and then when you do look at some you either get a pass or a fail and then do you and then you um uh it can identify where the dew point is in the wall so can you tell us a little bit just about what the dew point is and why it matters where that's in the wall and and what information like what that what that actually gives you in terms of information about that wall build up so the dew point is the temperature at which the, the moisture in the air will condensate. So if you, it's also about like if vapour is getting trapped behind a layer in the wall and that, so for example, a foil, a foil, the temperature of a foil can drop quickly because it's, uh, it's thermally conductive. So if moisture gets trapped behind that foil, then there's a hot, humid condition behind that foil. The foil is cold, the water, the, the air condensates and creates a soggy insulation, which over time, if it doesn't dry, which it won't, will create mould. So the dew point depends on the temperature and the relative humidity in the air. So if, if the temperature or the relative humidity changes, the dew point changes. For example, in a passive house, the temperature of, I think it's 24 degrees and a relative humidity of 60%, the dew point is 12.6. So 12.6 degrees. So if any surface in a passive house gets below 12.6 degrees, then condensation will occur. Um, no surface in a passive house is allowed to get below 12.6 degrees and it's specifically designed using science for that not to happen. But it is quite easy for, for a aluminium window frame or a 
uh, a external cladding element, for example, a color bond sheet um, or a metal sheet to reach that dew point. So if, if you've got hot, humid air coming into contact with a cold element, then it'll condensate and it could you know, become water and drip. And do you find that people are starting to, because I know that there's, the wolf is something that is, you know, uh, quite regularly used inside the passive house community. Are you seeing people in the, who are doing more traditional builds starting to get wolfy analysis done? Like how, how are you seeing that knowledge and that data potentially sort of becoming more mainstream and the understanding of it being used? Yeah, I, I have been very busy with wolfy at the moment. Um, I'm getting a lot of requests for these sorts of assessments. So it's definitely it's definitely picking up in in awareness in the industry and popularity. I think it's popular because it is it's a it's an on paper assessment that you get a number, um, sort of like a blood or test, you get a number and it gives you some information. And if it does turn out that your wall or roof system has a layer that is going to throw a mold index of five, then you know that you have to do something about that. You have to change your membrane. You have to introduce a ventilation, a ventilated cavity. You have to change your material to a more mold resistant product. Um, any number of sort of further risk mitigation strategies to make sure that what you're building is actually going to be safe and healthy. Yeah. And I think that, that the fact that the NCC 2022 has introduced that mold index of three um, requirement, it's going to be really interesting to see how industry generally starts to mitigate their risk by perhaps just including this as part of the, you know, the services. So the builder, you know, I've, I've heard um, uh, builders in particular, and they were saying it on the sustainable builders. Yeah. Look, if you're using a different wall composition than you've previously used, you should, or working in a different climate that you've previously used in, it's a good risk mitigation uh, exercise as a builder to just get a wolfie on that wall composition so that you know, or that roof composition so that you know that it's not going to cause headaches because, uh, you know, now you've got an obligation as a builder to be able to manage that risk um, for your projects. Yeah. yeah, and a mold index of three actually does create some visible mold. So it's not like there's there's not zero tolerance for mold. There is actually some, a mold index of three is a very small amount of visible mold growth. So it's it's not too crazy. It's, I mean, any visible mold growth isn't ideal, but and a, a below one is is best practice but uh yeah just to give your listeners an idea of what that three actually means anything above three is quite a large spread of mold and and not healthy gotcha no that's really good thank you for taking us through that in such detail because i know that will be super helpful for people listening so can you dive into what you think is still lacking for the changes to the national construction code 2022 what you think they still need to be working on and moving towards so, well, we've discussed previously in this podcast already the lack of as-built verification. There's, and that's why that is the entire reason I got into blood or testing in the first place because it was, it, to me, it was a no-brainer. It was like it was the only way to test whether or not a building, like what, what state it was in when it was finished. Um, and it was a really good way to assess existing buildings and ways to improve them as well. So I'm not sure how quickly we're going to move to any sort of as-built verification, blood or testing at some point will become a mandatory thing in the building code. I don't know how long we're going to have to wait for that. We're also going to have to upskill a lot of people in Australia to actually be able to deliver on, on blood or testing if it's become, if it's made mandatory. 
So, yeah, that is probably what I would be looking for is a, as, a, as a progression for the building code. The star ratings, as they are sort of going from six to seven stars, something else that I don't think a lot of homeowners understand is that there are other ways to get building code compl compliance, um, not, just, not just a star rating. So that's a whole other can of worms that we won't go into now. But, yeah, understanding how the building code works is a fairly big knowledge gap and you can't, can't really expect homeowners to understand it. But any opportunity that I get, I sort of do sort of mention it because in my experience, most homeowners don't understand how their houses are assessed. They just think they are assessed. That's very true, actually. And when you think about the thousands and thousands of standards and, you know, clauses and things like that, that are included just for a residential house in the construction code. And then of course there's Australian standards and all of those other regulations as well. It is far too much for a homeowner to be across for their individual project. So I think it's that thing of, you know, understanding, I mean, it's, it's interesting to see the, the redefinition of sort of pathways through approvals against the national construction code and seeing that sort of be laid out in, in slightly a different structure as well inside the National Construction Code and seeing um, how important it is for you to kind of determine which pathways are going to be meaningful for you, whatever it is that you're seeking to kind of do in your project, really understanding that there's not just one kind of one step-by-step, -step, you know, sort of way that you're going to necessarily have to achieve your approval, but, you know, looking at what other opportunities there might be based on what you want to do and, you know, the challenges of your site and all of those kinds of things, that team and that expertise inside your team becomes so critical, doesn't it? Yeah, it's really about, it's about having the right people on your team who can explain the things that you might not know. All of the ways of, of energy compliance in the building code, they're all supposed to perform at, at, at essentially the same level. And I think under the 2022 code, they are brought more into alignment with each other. But in the past, they've all they've all thrown quite different results in my experience. So yeah, that's 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 something that I find lacking. Um, but I have full disclosure been out of the building code space for a couple of years now. So I'm told the 2022 code brings it much, much closely, much more closely into alignment. Fantastic. Yeah. So can we dive into how you think homeowners should best work with their builders and their teams to achieve outcomes? You know, things that I think if we could just sort of sum up with some of those pointers we've talked about in the episode and also anything else that you think is relevant for homeowners to understand sort of how to structure this with their team, the kinds of questions to potentially ask when they're sort of first interviewing people and then how they navigate the design and then, you know, the documentation construction contract process to, to really make sure that they're nailing this, uh, particularly in the context of a traditional build where they don't necessarily have a certification method like you do in Passive House that's going to bolt on all of these requirements, but they're, you know, sort of navigating a traditional system. How do you suggest they sort of best achieve the results that they, they need to for their home? I think, and I know that I, I talk about blood testing a lot, and that's because it's so important. The first question I would ask a builder is, do you know what a blood test is? Because um, if they do, then you know that there's a whole bunch of other things they already know and you won't have to go through that whole education process with them. Um, doesn't mean you shouldn't use that builder, but it just means you know where you will sit. Um, it, I mean, it also depends if you're using an architect or a builder who's doing your design and construct. Um, but going through the whole design process with the intention of air tightness in mind, asking your design team or your construct team if they know what, what a blood or test is, if they know what a vapor permeable membrane is, 
then if they if you if you get positive answers to both of those questions, then you know it's you know it's going to be smooth sailing. So yeah, they're the, they're the things I would recommend. They're, they're fairly simple questions with fairly simple answers. So yeah, yeah. What are you seeing? This question's a little bit left of field, but what are you sort of seeing with builders adopting this on site? I know like you've been working with a few of our Live Life Build members who are sort of just starting to wrap their heads around this for the first time. We've got one builder who, or, or you know, always previously did steel frames and he's now doing timber frame and he's starting to use Proclimber wraps and he's, you know, you've been on site a lot with, um, that's Luke Dakey from Saxony Building, you know, helping him understand and his team how to wrap the building properly because Climber Shaw is obviously also a Proclimber distributor. So how how are you seeing, and I know another Luke, he, he got you to do some thermal imaging and that kind of stuff. How are you seeing, you know, are you seeing that the builders who actually what I'm concerned about is that the builders who ask for this and get you to come, they're they're already trying and they're using the exercise of working with you as a learning exercise to kind of see what what there's what they're missing. So I know, for example, you know, Luke Callery was saying to me, oh, you know, to see actually in the thermal imaging where electricians he didn't realize had moved insulation out of the way. And, you know, there was the opportunity for him to sort that out before handover and that kind of stuff. But then also obviously there's a whole raft of builders who you don't get to go to their site and you don't get to see sort of what's happening, but perhaps the homeowners got you back afterwards or something like that to, to check, you know, what might've been going wrong. What are you sort of seeing out there in the industry in terms of being on site and in the ground and people wrapping their heads around this stuff and potentially the on-flow sort of mistakes or concerns or getting it right kind of things um, that, you you know, you think would be worth people hearing about? Well, like you said, in, in my in my daily job, I get I get the good stuff. I get the people who are wanting to learn or, you know, my favourite calls. I had one yesterday from a, I think it was another, another Luke. <laughs> the Lukes love this stuff. Um, <laughs> And he was like, oh, I've been watching YouTube videos all weekend and I'm oh, it's all this whole thing's opened up and I'm really excited and I want to know. So I get a lot of those sorts of phone calls and they really, I like, I like those sorts of clients because they're, they're open to learning. So as far as going on site with people who have made mistakes, probably the biggest mistakes that we see that I have seen in the past is when they haven't used the proclimber membranes, they've used a different type of membrane. And the difference between, the, the, the essential difference, I think, between the proclimber system and other types of membranes is the quality of the installation. I mean, the, the membranes themselves are quite different, but there's a real intention with the with the install of, of the proclimber membrane. So when you get trades who, in, who are installing membranes the way they always have, they often have, have big rips in them. They're falling off, the tape's coming off. They're, they're not taped into the windows. They're not taped properly at the top and bottom plates. It's, you know, one project we actually went on site for and, and he was trying to, he was, this particular client was, was working with a volume builder, but trying to insert high performance principles into the, into the project. And he sort of succeeded, but there were some fairly big, weaknesses in the way the building was put together and the, the membrane was one of them there was holes all through it and it was, he was trying to get an airtight structure and it, it just defeated the whole purpose of what he was trying to do because the frame was open to rain it was not creating a, any sort of air barrier it was yeah it was 
So those are the sorts of challenges I come across because that was driven by the client, not, not the builder. And they weren't, I don't think they were communicating too well. So the communication between, between homeowner and builder is absolutely 100% the most important thing to in, in, in order to come out at the end with what you want. Yeah, most definitely. And I think, you know, being on the same page, it just makes such a difference, doesn't it? When instead of trying to kind of school the builder on how things need to be done and them not being on board and getting those kinds of outcomes, as you mentioned with that volume builder project, I know that there's, um, it's it's so tricky because if you're trying to achieve a, a project at a particular sort of delivery methodology or a certain speed or at a certain price point and then you try and bolt these kind of um, processes in and without that understanding then you are going to be pushing uphill all the time so um, can you talk a bit I saw something on your social media a little while ago about the moisture content in frames before you start wrapping them up I'm just wondering if we can quickly sort of touch on that before we wrap up the episode and just help homeowners understand because I think that's actually also another really interesting check that's potentially something that homeowners could think about in their construction process in terms of um, I know a lot of homeowners are concerned about timber turning up to site and it's it's already looks like it's damp or it's sitting out in the rain for a period of time what are your suggestions in terms of you know testing and measuring the thermal moisture and what benchmark they need to be thinking about before the whole wall gets wrapped up and that moisture gets locked in the wall and then causes dramas down the track yeah so we've had a really wet winter in Adelaide it's just rained pretty much non-stop and I have seen lots and lots of saturated building sites I also know of someone who unfortunately ended up in court because their their frames were clad and insulated saturated um and they went mouldy that was some, they were building some townhouses um so I know from her experience that it's it's a serious issue. So the I did a bit of reading that day before I made that post and the research I came across was that your your moisture level in your timber should not exceed 15% if it's going to be before it's clad. So you can get moisture meters, preferably the one with the little prongs in them, and you insert the prongs into the timber frame and you measure the measure the moisture content that way. And yeah, 15% is the is the the cap that I that I read about. Yeah. No, it was fantastic to see. I think it's really interesting as we start to sort of what I love about these conversations is it gives homeowners an understanding of some kind of checks and tools and things like that to be really chatting about with their builder so that it's not just about the framing checklist, you know, and going around and checking that the framing's in the right place, but that there's another check that we can do at that point. And some of the, you know, technology that we have, like the thermal imaging cameras, like the the, the moisture meters and those kinds of things are not actually that costly for, particularly for a builder to have in their toolkit as well and give a homeowner a peace of mind particularly for a builder to be able to do this and demonstrate the quality and the professionalism with which they're kind of delivering their projects. And then you can, you know, obviously um, it's then those larger conversations of where's our air barrier? What are we using? Are we using a wrap or are we relying on the plasterboard? How are we going to test that? So, you know, and get that data. So um, is there anything else that I haven't covered that you wanted to mention before we wrap up? No, I think that's been a pretty, 
Pretty, uh, comprehensive <laughs> chat. We have dived into a lot of detail. Jess, I can't <laughs> thank you enough for all of the information that you've shared in this conversation. And also just, you know, I really encourage listeners to check out Climber Shaw's social media and website. I'll pop the links in the resources. Um, there's a whole heap of blog content there that's super helpful. There's also the social media is really fantastic to follow. Jesse doing an enormous amount to educate the industry and to also obviously help the clients that you work with directly. And as you said, you know, the, the Wolfie analysis doesn't actually need to be, you know, for people listening, it doesn't need to be a local thing. You can actually work with somebody remotely because as Jess outlined, those things are all things that you can email and shoot across and the climate data is uh, is not, you know, is in the tool for everywhere. So, so that's really exciting as well because I know that homeowners are often looking for that process and not quite sure where to go. So thank you so much for your time, Jess. I really, really appreciate it. Thanks, Amelia. It's, it's been a blast. And that's it for part two and my conversation with Jessica Allen from Climashore. So I hope it's been really helpful for you to learn more about the Wolfie analysis process and thermal imaging, as well as Jess's views on the NCC 2022 updates. And then also how to work in with your team so that you can achieve better outcomes on your project, the kinds of questions you can ask and navigating your design, documentation and construction. So things like blower door tests, a woofy analysis and thermal imaging, they can all be incredibly useful tools to use in your build or renovation so that you can create a better outcome for your future home. And what's really exciting about this is that for you as the homeowner, it provides you with opportunities to create homes that aren't reliant on guesswork, you know, that aren't reliant on just naively trying trusting whether a builder is doing the right thing, where you can actually have data to inform your decisions and tests to include during construction to provide certainty in your built outcome. And that is super exciting. Now, you know, all builders, they are supposed to build to code, but unfortunately you won't necessarily discover that a home hasn't been built to code until well after the builder is finished. And then you'll have to chase the builder, your warranty and your insurance in order to rectify any issues. So wouldn't you rather avoid that drama altogether by getting it right during construction and knowing that you're actually getting the best outcome whilst the builder is still on site and something can be done about it. And while our building codes are not there yet on fully protecting you from the risks associated with many standard building practices that can create poor moisture management, thermal bridging and leaky buildings, it is so useful to know that these tools are available to you. And unfortunately, there is still so much of the industry that isn't across the opportunities that there are to deliver homes in this way. So I love that you can understand more about the things that Jess and my other guests have been taking us through so that you can have a you can have better conversations when interviewing potential team members. And, you know, also, you know, think about what you can include in your design and construction process so that you can achieve a great outcome in your project and in your finished home. So a few reminders before I finish up this episode. Remember, I've got a full transcript of this episode plus the resources at www.undercoverarchitect.com forward slash 297. That's the numbers 297. If you're a uh, industry professional and you've been listening to these episodes, I've been getting lots of feedback from industry professionals who are very grateful for this series on the podcast um, to be getting these deep dives into the National Construction Code up updates because they've found that it's been difficult to access those in their own disciplines and in their own membership bodies. Uh, if if you are an industry professional who is here listening to the Undercover Architect podcast, you feel like-minded and you'd like to help and support Undercover Architect community members more, I'd love you to check out the UA Army. It's something special that I'm doing behind the scenes and it's free to join. You just need to go to undercoverarchitect.com forward slash army, A-R-M-Y, and fill out your details. 
Uh, And of course, I mention it every episode because I'm so passionate about helping homeowners this way. I really, if you do want more structured help and guidance, you want to understand the step-by-step process to create a fantastic home, you want to feel more confident and in control, and also know that you can create a home that you love living in that does all of these things that I share on the podcast, you know, that be, but shortcuts your process because it includes tools and tips and uh, downloadable checklists and all of those kinds of things. You'll find all of that inside my flagship program, Home Method. And, you know, what you'll also find there is so many other people on a similar journey to you who are informed, who are generous and savvy, and who also are sharing their journeys to help you out as well. So, uh, and it's the only place that you can get your questions answered by me and access that personalized support and guidance as well. So you'll find out more uh, about Home Method by heading to Undercover Architects website. Uh, There's a link in the menu there, or you can also head to homemethod.com.au. As always, thank you for tuning in and for letting me be your secret ally. Until next time, bye. Just a reminder, all content on this podcast is provided by Undercover Architect for reference purposes and as general guidance. It does not take into account specific circumstances and should not be relied on in that way. You should seek independent verification or advice before relying on this content in any circumstances, including but not limited to circumstances where loss and damage may result. The views and opinions of any guests on the podcast are solely their own and may not reflect the views of Undercover Architect. Undercover Architect endeavours to publish content that is accurate at the time it is published, but does not accept responsibility for content that may or has become inaccurate over time. Thank you.